Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, and we'll just read verse 29. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you for... um, today for this opportunity of just being able to uh, come and worship you around the preaching of your word this morning. We do pray that you'll bless our time together. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to behold your glory um, through your word this morning. Help me to only say those things, Father, that you would have me to say and that you'll speak to each of our hearts and and our minds this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. So I've been reading through Numbers in my quiet time and and this week I've been um, reading chapter 11. And the verse which stood out most to me in this chapter was verse 29. Was this a prophecy of what would one day happen in the future? Um, That the Lord would give his Holy Spirit to all men. Um, And this caused me to think that, you know, we need to appreciate the fact um, that we have the indwelling Holy Spirit to convict us of sin Uh, to comfort us, uh, to direct us, to give us wisdom, uh, to change us into the image of Christ. And so I was so impressed by this verse that, um, you know, I felt that the Lord was leading me to preach this chapter rather than continue on with um, Proverbs this week. But it's not unrelated. Um, We see in this chapter that Moses seeks wisdom from God and God gives him that wisdom. So it's not unrelated to the topic that we've, we've been studying um, in Sunday, Sunday school. So, this chapter. In this chapter, we see how quickly the Israelites are to forget the goodness of their God and to complain about their circumstances. We see how Moses um, takes this burden to the Lord and that the Lord gives him the answer, that is, gives him God's wisdom. Um, God provides Moses with 70 helpers to share his burden and he gives the people what they want, that is, flesh to eat. Their lust was so strong that they consumed the flesh with gluttony um, and in the extreme and God judged them for it. So let's go back to verse 1 of Numbers 11. So firstly in verses 1 to 10 we see that the people complain. Verse 1, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabra, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish 
which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as coriander seed and the colour thereof as the colour of delium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Then Moses heard the people weep through their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Consider this um, situation from God's perspective. Firstly, the Israelites were groaning or moaning um, under the burden of slavery initially before, um, before getting to um, this, this point. And God answered that call by raising up Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And despite their initial doubt, um, they saw the ten plagues, the miracles that only Jehovah could do in defeat of all the Egyptian gods. And when they, let, um, when they left Egypt, they were, they were caught literally between a rock and a hard place. But what did God do? He parted the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry land. Like, as we look at the Israelites, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple of things that, that amazes me. Um, one, you know, they see, um, you know, they've, they've been through God's miracles like this, um, and yet they complain. And two, I also think, you know, are we really any different? You know, um, James tells us that God's word is like a mirror. And it's like a mirror in the sense that we see ourselves in it. Um, I know I do. You know, when, when, you, when I read through and, you know, read about the life of Israel, you know, I think I'm, I'm not that different. Um, and, um, you know, we, we see um, God's work every day in our own lives and, and in the lives of others. Um, and yet we doubt him. And, you know, I find those two things amazing about us. But praise God, we, we do have a God who is long-suffering, a God who is merciful and gracious to us. Um, but... Um, so they see God part the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry ground and then all the king's horses and all the king's men and Pharaoh himself were drowned in the Red Sea um, I, I couldn't help but you know, put it like that because it, 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 all, it, almost, it almost reads like that in the account of it um, but, but that's what happened. You know, they arrived safe, the Israelites arrived safely on the other side and then, um, and then uh, the, um, uh, Pharaoh's aunt, Pharaoh and his army, they, they've come across on the Red Sea, on the, on the dry ground as well, but they weren't quite quick enough because God crashed the Red Sea down upon them and none of them survived. Um, the Israelites saw that. 
God provided them with manna. We've got to think about um, the nation of Israel here. We're not talking about a thousand people. You know, just think of the logistics of about two million people moving as a group. We're not talking about small tribes who are nomadic, um, you know, that might be 500 or a thousand people. You know, we're talking about two million people. And how two million people you can move about as a group um, is, is just amazing in itself. Um, and we've got, we, got, we got to think about that as, you know, as, as we think about the nation of Israel. You know, we're, we're, we're not talking about a small, a small group of people. You know, this is, um, what's, what's Brisbane? I think Brisbane's about two or three million people. You know, the population of Brisbane, virtually, moving around the Middle East as, as a group, as an organised group. You know, what an, what an amazing God that we have that, um, that he put Moses through the training so that he could lead them. Um, and it's just, that's just amazing. So God provided them with manna. He also provided them with water. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the amazing part, and, and it's the same with us. God did all of this in spite of all their complaining and whining. God provided for them in spite of all their complaining and whining. And when God chose Israel, he knew very well who he chose. He knew very well that this is what Israel would be like. Again, like us. You know, God sent his son to die on the cross um, knowing full, full well that not everybody would accept the free gift of salvation that God offers to everyone. But not only that, he saves us even though um, we don't always obey him. You know, all he asks is that we keep a short account with him. That is, we confess our sins as soon as he makes us aware. And he, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What an amazing God we've got. Merciful and gracious God. So, God has done nothing but good to the Israelites. Yet, they complain. And how often are we guilty of the same thing? That we complain about some small matter because we forget the mercies of God and the grace of God that he gives us each and every day. So, next, in verses 11 through to 15. Um, we'll just read that. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favour in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people 
upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou should say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the sucking child, unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. When should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favour in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Now it's time to look at it from Moses' point of view. This is two million people, thereabouts, that Moses is leading. Imagine, and he, he treats them like a family. Like he, you know, when um, they did complain and, you know, God sent plagues or fire to um, consume the leaders of those complaints. God prayed on their behalf that God, uh, sorry, Moses prayed on their behalf that the Lord would stop. Moses cares for the nation of Israel as his own family. Imagine having a family of about two million people. Um, so the burden that lay on his heart as he led the people out of Egypt and then as he leads them towards the promised land is a lot. Um, so it's, it's unsurprising that once again the Israelites complain and, and this time Moses takes his burden to the Lord which is a good recipe for us. I mean, how often are we burdened with one thing or another? And how often do we try and just work through it on, in our own wisdom and strength? We, we need to take our cares to the Lord. He, he wants us to. You know, that's the kind of God that we have. He wants us to depend on him. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't promise us an easy life. But... He does promise to help us bear the burden. And so we need to take our um, burdens to him in prayer. Um, and that's what Moses um, does here. So Moses is also here dis displeased with the people, but he takes his burden to God. Um, so imagine the burden that Moses must have felt. You know, he is the under-shepherd, so to speak, of some two million people. He has interceded for them on many occasions, and he does so here as well. Now, think, think about Moses' responsibilities. How does he organise two million people? How does he get... Like you think of the area that two million, there's no high rises. So think of the area that they would cover. Um, so, you know, you're looking, uh, I'm not too sure what sort of area that Sydney or Brisbane cover, but they have high rises. Um, whereas, you know, uh, the Israelites were, were camped in, um, in tents. Now they don't, they wouldn't necessarily have 800 square metres or even 500 square metres per campsite. Um, 
but I would imagine that it would be a decent size because they would have their, you know, whatever um, uh, livestock and that, that that they would take around with them. So it would be a huge area. And then once the, once the tabernacle was built, um, apparently, you know, there was a gap of something like, uh, what would it be, about 25 kilometres um, between the tabernacle and um, where the camp actually started. So there's like a 25 kilometre gap between. Um, so it's a large area that these people occupy. So when Moses um, wants everybody to receive a message that God has given him, how does he do it? You know, you've got two million people to get this message to. Um, it's just amazing to think of some of these things. So how does he organise the camp? And I, I remember reading that... Um, uh, that there would have been a particular way, it, it, it probably would have been organised a lot like a, um, uh, a military camp um, in, in how it was, was organised. Now, leading up to, um, like just like pr prior to, to this chapter in Numbers, a couple of things have happened. So um, God has told them how the camps are organised, like as far as who camps on which side of the tabernacle. Um, and he's also, t uh, just prior to here too, he's also um, made the trumpets. So they made a couple of trumpets so that way um, that the, pre the priests blow um, to say, depending on the occasion, so there are particular sounds that they blow at the trumpet, you know, for it's time to move on. Um, and there are other sounds that they blow up a trumpet if they need to defend themselves, you know, go and fight an enemy and, and so on, or... Uh, another blow of the trumpet um, if they need to gather around the tabernacle and how they gather around the tabernacle I'm not too sure you know we're talking two million people um, and there's another, another blow of the trumpet where only the leaders gather around the tra tabernacle so th there's a lot to organising a nomadic group of two million people um, you know how does he ensure Yes. Um, so how does he make sure that everyone has access to the tabernacle? You know, there's only... The tabernacle is only so large, so how is it that everybody has access to the tabernacle when they need to to bring their, their sacrifices um, to it? How do they move from one... Oh, and this message is not answering those questions, by the way. I'm leaving those with you. Um, these are just some questions that came up as, as, as I was preparing for this morning. Um, you know, how do they move from one spot to the next? You know, God, God has given them the order that they move, but do they move, you know, a thousand people wide? Or 500 people wide? Um, you know, they each... Each family's got to occupy a certain space as they move. Um, so if you, if they if they moved a thousand people wide and each person occupied a square meter of space, then two kilometers long is how long the line would be. 
and one kilometer wall. Roughly. It's a huge number of people. Well, I, it's, it's just amazing. And, um, and then also, I don't know how, um, how long it took for this to start weighing on his heart, but how does he choose his replacement for when he dies? Now, we know who his replacement was, but we've got the benefit of looking back on it. But how does he choose his um, replacement? Remember that Moses cares for them. Now, he's not going to know them. Well, I don't know. I don't imagine he would know them individually by name, but they were pretty clever back then. And I'm sure their memories were much better than what my memory is, um, especially for remembering names. But so perhaps he knew everyone by name. I don't know. Um, but the, the nation weighed on his heart. You know, um, you know, much like we weigh on the hearts of our pastors. So Moses had a lot on his shoulders. And I'll get home. Okay, so in verses 16 to 23, um, we see the Lord's solution. Um, verse 16, The Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. God doesn't leave Moses in the lurch. You know, he gives him an answer. You know, it's in his timing. We may get anxious about God's timing, but God's timing is always perfect. Verse 17, I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow when ye shall eat flesh. For ye have, we ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Ye shall not uh, eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out at your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you. Because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said, The people among whom I am are six hundred thousand footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh, that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them, to, to suffice them, or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together, them to suffice them and the Lord said unto Moses is the Lord's hand waxed short thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not you know just put yourself in Moses shoes here um, he, 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 he takes this to the Lord and the Lord says I will give them flesh and then Moses thinks how are we going to give all these people flesh to eat um, 
they can't kill the livestock really because then they've got nothing. You know, they, they need a certain amount of livestock to, so that they can keep reproducing. Um, so, you know, Moses' mind just, just boggles as, as to how the Lord um, uh, would provide flesh for the people to eat. But as the Lord finishes off, you know, and the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? We've got to remember that, you know, if we're in a bit of a bind, we can't see the answer. As stressful as that may be, praise the Lord because when the answer does come, then God will get the glory for it. Um, but it's hard when we don't when we can't think of an answer, you know, for for this situation. It, it's it's hard for us to work through that, isn't it? We, you know, we've got this finite mind that we can't see what God sees. Um, but we just need to trust God that He will um, provide, and it's and God's answers aren't always pleasant. Um, we've got to remember that too. Just because we're trusting Him doesn't mean we're going to get the answer that we want. We're going to get the answer that we need, um, which is not always pleasant. But you know, as as we've seen in. Um, in Matthew, the part when pastor's been preaching through, through Matthew, that um, can't remember what I was going to say. There was some part of that that I was going to that, to remind us, but yeah, God's answers are not always pleasant. So, the Lord's solution here first. He, so he's, Moses got two problems. One is um, not enough flesh for the people, and two. He, he can't bear the burden of the people on his own. So firstly, God says, go on, go on um, uh, pick out 70 elders um, to, to come and be your helpers and he will give them um, a, a portion of his, the, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, this, this, reminds, this 70 reminds us of a few things. Like There's a few 70s throughout the... Um, Throughout the Bible, I think there's about. Well, actually, there's not. There's not about sixty. There's there's less than that because seventy is often part of a bigger number. Um, so, a couple of things: seventy souls came out of the loins of Jacob, uh, and and this is just you know FYI for your information. Um, seventy talents of brass um, they brought um, as an offering in Exodus 38. So when the people brought their offerings, you know, to build the tabernacle and that sort of thing. 70 talents of brass was, um, uh, was, was brought as part of that offering. Uh, then here in, in Numbers, um, in Numbers 7, um, the, the leaders of the nation, um, they, brought, um, uh, they brought an offering to, for, the, for, the, um, for the tabernacle and a part of that were um, silver bowls of 70 shekels apiece. So each tribe brought a silver bowl of 70 shekels apiece. 70 shekels apiece. Um, the sons of Elam and Ezra, um, chapter 8, there were 70 of those. Tyre shall be forgotten for 70 years in Isaiah chapter 23. Um, Israel was exiled for 70 years. Um, uh, es um, in um, Ezekiah, 70 men of the ancients were mentioned. In Daniel, 
we have the 70 weeks. Um, and then in the New Testament, we have the 70 um, uh, witnesses that went out for, um, that Christ um, sent out as well by twos in Luke chapter 10. So there's lots of, there's lots of 70s um, in, you know, throughout, throughout the Bible. And so here um, we have these 70 men who were helped bear um, Moses' burden. And then also um, the other uh, part of the solution that God um, tells Moses is that he will give um, uh, flesh to the people. So he tells him to make sure that they set the people sanctify themselves, ready for tomorrow, and that they will get enough flesh you know, not for one day, not for two days, not for 10 days, not for 20 days, but for 30 days. So they're going to get, get enough flesh for 30 days. Um, and it's so much that they'll be sick of it by the end of it. So, um, so that, that's, that's the Lord's solution. And then we see in verses 24 through to 35, um, we see that Moses then obeys and carries this out. Uh, verse 24, And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and sent them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. Excuse me. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses got him into the camp, he and the elders of Israel. So the 70 elders are appointed. They assemble around the tabernacle. The Lord gives them of his spirit. And of course, um, we are talking about the Holy Spirit, so uh, it's not diminished. Um, the Holy Spirit's presence in Moses is not diminished. Um, but he, uh, the Lord gives... Um, uh, the Holy Spirit to these prophets as well. Um, and as a result, they prophesied. And, you know, I can't help but wonder, you know, what did they prophesy about? Well, perhaps about God's judgment that was coming up because the people would lust after the quails. Um, uh, perhaps the provision of the quails. Um, perhaps God's provision of the Holy Spirit um, in the future. I'm not too sure. Um, but you know, they are some possibilities that they may have prophesied. The, the main point um, seems to be, though, that they prophesied in order to authenticate the fact that they are appointed by God. Remember that as the Israelites um, have come out of Egypt, how often they questioned Moses' authority. And he's got a whole history of leading them you know, where God has used him to do the miracles or to be like the mouthpiece for the miracles. And so if these um, elders aren't 
if it's not demonstrated that they have been appointed to God, the people aren't going to respect their position for very long, are they? You know, they even had troubles with Moses. So um, that seems to be the reason for this prophesying. Anyway, in all of this, um, two actually didn't go to the tabernacle. They stayed in the camp. Um, and apparently a possible reason is um, that they were afraid to approach the tabernacle. Remember what's happened previously when the tabernacle has been approached um, without um, proper preparation that you know, fire has gone out from the Lord. Um, so perhaps you know, it's suggested in the commentaries that that might be the reason why they didn't go to the tabernacle like the others did. Um, and then when you know, and then the young man tells Moses and Joshua then forbid, says Moses forbid them and then Moses in verse 29 responds envious thou for my sake would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them um, I couldn't help but think you know was this prophetic of um, the day of Pentecost when the Lord sent the Holy Spirit um, to you know, as as part of um, the beginning of the church age, and um, I don't know, possibly, but the Moses' desire was that um, everybody would receive the Holy Spirit, um, and we have that privilege. You know, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. They they didn't back then. Anyway, I better hurry. Um, and then also, of course, um, the, in verses 31 to 35, the, the quails were um, provided. And they went forth, in verse 31, And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were um, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Now, um, they, that could be between... Um, uh, 15 k's and uh, 50 k's in um, distance from the camp and um, two cubits high seems to be more related to how high the quails were flying not so much the depth of the quails um, that just fell on the ground it seems based on the commentaries that I've been reading um, because you know the the, the, this was a part of their mi uh, migration um, uh, east, and um, and by that stage they're pretty exhausted, which is why they're only flying, you know, two cubits um, or about one meter above the ground. Um, verse 32: And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers. And they spread them all aboard for themselves round about the camp. Um, and that's for the purpose of drying them out and salting them. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibroth-Hatavah, uh, because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kibroth-Hatavah, unto Hazaroth and abode at Hazaroth. So um, they made such a glutton of themselves that God sent a plague 
um, among them. So, in conclusion, in this chapter we saw how quickly the Israelites were to forget the goodness of their God and to complain about their circumstances. We need to be careful that we don't forget the goodness of God toward us in every part of our lives. We saw how Moses took this burden to the Lord and that the Lord gave him the answer, that is, God's wisdom. We have been looking at this in Proverbs, you know, to go to God and ask him um, for wisdom when we need it. Um, and in fact, ask him for wisdom when we don't need it, when we think we don't need it. Um, God provided Moses with 70 helpers to share his burden and he gave the people what they wanted, that is, flesh to eat. God has promised us that he will give us wisdom when we ask him for it. Their lust was so strong that they consumed the flesh with gluttony in the extreme and God judged them for it. Remember, this was not the only incident of complaining. Um, uh, this was so bad that God judged them um, for it. We need to keep a short account with God. Uh, when, when we sin, we need to confess it. Uh, we need to spend time in his word um, getting the wisdom of God. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the example of Moses here in Numbers 11 of um, even though he was, he was burdened under the responsibility of caring for this whole nation, he took that burden to you, Father, and, and, and we thank you that, um, uh, that you answered his burden, that you provided him help, um, and you answered the people um, and you gave them flesh. Um, Father, we thank you that you are a merciful and a gracious God. Um, we thank you for your mercies and your grace every day. We pray, Father, that you will help us to live for you as you would have us to, um, for your honour and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things.